Hello and welcome to the Change of Directions podcast. My name is Don Dahlmann and together with my colleague Nicole Scott, we would like to introduce you to the latest developments in the mobility tech industry. Today, we are talking about what's driving tech companies into the world of mobility and there is one company that you might not think of first when it comes to the future of mobility, Microsoft. I've known for many years that Microsoft has been active in automotive, but I haven't been exactly sure what they're doing. So over the last few years, Don and I have been spending a little bit more time with Microsoft to kind of peek behind the curtain about what this massive tech company is doing with an industry that is in desperate need of rejuvenation. Yes, uh, the tech industry and the automotive industry are coming closer together, Nicole, and it's super interesting to see that. And I mean, we know that tech companies like, you know, Google, Apple, uh, NVIDIA, for example, they're all into mobility now and they're all building their own uh, departments for mobility and video about autonomous driving. So, so everybody seems to, even Intel, you know, with mobile eye. So everybody seems to be like into the B2C area of, of uh, the new form of mobility with autonomous cars, etc. But it's a different kind of mobility strategy they have. It's a very expensive one, as you can imagine, because you have to develop the software and, and you know, run the cars, etc. But it seems to be that Microsoft is, you know, it's a, it's a kind of silent player in, in, the, in the business and they seem to have like a total different approach. And this is what makes our meeting with Sanjay Ravi, General Manager of Automotive and Mobility and Transportation at Microsoft, so interesting. He explained how Microsoft is positioning themselves in the world of mobility. Yeah, so, you know, we get down to the fundamentals of what is Microsoft's role in the industry and we see ourselves being the technology enabler for the automotive and mobility industry, right? And so the way we have looked at ours to start off with on the business model side, we are not manufacturing a car, we are not delivering end mobility services, we are not monetizing our customers' data, nor are we pushing a Microsoft brand inside the car. So then what are we doing? We are bringing intelligent cloud and intelligent edge capabilities, including AI, to meet the very specific needs of automotive. And these needs could be around providing the right DevOps environment for autonomous development, supporting the software-defined vehicle initiative, bringing the ecosystem together. We're a strong believer in open innovation, and this is why we work with the Eclipse Foundation and, and bring various partners together, and we're directly contributing to that effort. We are in once-in-a-century transformation in automotive, and it is here, a lot of the transformation is already happening, and these technologies are core and what excites Microsoft is we see our role to help OEMs, automakers, build their digital ecosystems, because, sorry, digital platforms, because these digital platforms are core to their future, how they can be a mobility company, a software-driven services company, and so that's kind of really our focus. That's super interesting from, from Sanjay, because... Again, Microsoft is not planning to build their own cars um, or develop like their own software suite for autonomous driving like NVIDIA is doing or Intel is doing or all the other companies. They have a, a super unique approach in a way because they're working more on, this, on the very fundamental stuff that runs or will run the future of, of cars. So it's more the 
communication layers between the car, the user and the car company and the, the basic software and platforms and server that are actually running the whole show. And if we look at cars that are entering the market today, they're pretty much computers on wheels, or at least they have the compute power of your average computer. And the importance of software is going to be even more prevalent in the coming years. And OEMs are not on top of their game when it comes to software. They are lacking knowledge and experience when it comes to software. Voice recognition is a good example. Oh, yeah. I mean, remember how often we said in cars, I don't want to name a manufacturer now because it includes all of them. Um, and we tried out the voice recognition of, you know, any car that we set in, in the last, what, 10 years or 12 years. And the only thing we got out of these voice recognition was actually really good laughs because, you know, it, it never really understood. It, it got better. Yeah. Um, but most systems are really bad in, in understanding what you're saying. And even when they got better over the years, there is still, not good i mean it's hard voice recognition because everybody has you know different accents and maybe has a chewing gum in his mouth or smoking or have eating something or drinking something so it's hard but i get that but the systems are still not good compared what you get for example on a phone you know i actually thought you were going to say you know incredibly frustrated and screaming at the car instead of uh, a few good laughs because <laughs> i know that that's where i i've actually had to pull over and then just manually enter addresses because I just got so frustrated with the, with, with the whole process. And so this is actually where Microsoft is coming into play, as Sanjay explains. I mentioned we don't push our brand inside the car. Xpeng, which is a premium Chinese car manufacturer, they built their digital voice assistant using some of the most advanced AI capabilities. And their entire platform is supported by Microsoft Cognitive Services. So we are providing them the cutting-edge AI capabilities that they could use to build their own branded experience in the car. And the entire interaction any consumer is going to have in the car with Xpeng, Xpeng will get to know what features people are using and then get to drive innovation. They are in full control of that. So that's a good example of how we use our base technologies but zero in on the specific needs of the auto industry and we are not creating a digital assistant application and giving it because we believe um, every brand would need to differentiate themselves. But there is no need for Xpeng to go and build the entire cognitive services AI capability. And they would rather use that from Microsoft and then build the Xpeng branded experience. So that's our strategy and this applies across many other uh, use cases as well. So this is really important because basically what Microsoft is doing is providing access to car manufacturers, this amazing cutting edge software. And pretty much, if we're honest about it, they can't develop it on their own. But it's exactly what drivers and consumers expect in their cars nowadays. And in my opinion, it's a really smart move. Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. Again, I mean, you, you're buying like a forty dollars or $50,000 euro car. And the infotainment system that you get is not even as smart as your 500 euro phone. And this is something I've been saying for years now. Like you compare directly what you hold in your hands and what you can do with your phone to what you have in your car, which is should be way smarter than it, than it is at the moment. And the interesting thing is 
like you would you would argue also like yeah why don't they do it themselves microsoft can do that because the oems does, do not have the software competence in house that they need even with hiring like a lot of software engineers in the in the last years uh, especially volkswagen i think hired around 6500 people or so but even with that they don't have the competence, but Sanjay, and this is, I think, a super interesting point because he's basically, he's offering their services, but he also points out that they need to develop these kind of software competence. We see and we really feel it's important for all automakers to significantly improve their software competency because end of the day, every business is becoming a digital business. And you need to have world-class software competency in-house. Now, you can still decide whether they need to build everything in-house or work with partners. And, and, and there, there is a hybrid model that would work. It doesn't, everything does not have to be built in-house. But you do need that competency in-house. And that's the transformation the industry is going through. Uh, in fact, when we looked at some of the numbers, uh, some, some of the leaders in auto industry are hiring more software engineers than mechanical engineers today. And we believe that's the right path, right? But they need to take measured steps. It cannot, you cannot move from you know, um, completely taking everything from suppliers and trying to do it internally when you haven't necessarily built the competency. But it's good to go down that path and build it. And when you feel confident and you're successful, yeah, expand on that. Basically, he went one step ahead and he said, you not only has the OEMs to develop the software competence for the, for the new automotive cars and, and the new world of mobility, and that they need to step up. They have to do more, not only for voice recognition or, or this example we, we already brought, but also like in other areas. And where automotive manufacturers have been really struggling is that the car is no longer just an analog device. And this is what they've been so good at building for so long. And it's a complete change of mentality because the future of the car is now digital. And it's transforming into something that more resembles a mobile device than a steel box on wheels, right? And so this means that business models for the car industry are rapidly changing. The interesting part is that we saw in the early 2010 years that the, some OEMs started to to move towards a kind of mobility as a service uh, thing, like being a mobility as a service provider, like Daimler did it uh, a lot, BMW did it uh, also in a way. They had all their car sharing companies. They went into the car sharing or ride sharing services. So they they invested a lot of money in these in these kind of things. Remember when Smart, for example, um, offered their new buyers the same device that they had in the car to go thing. So you can rent out your car to like friends or people that you know, et cetera, et cetera. But they have totally stopped their ambitions in that field. I mean, they did the joint venture here in Germany with their two car sharing services and they sold that to Stellantis uh, last year. And they don't have anything left in the, in the mobility as a service world. Volkswagen still has, but this is an exception. So they went back to be what you just described, uh, an analog car producer that has some, you know, software things in there and they're buying this from, from, from all the tech companies. But interestingly is like that the tech industry now sees it completely different. They have a different approach. If you look at 
the tech industry in general. Apple makes hardware, but they make most of their money from services. Google might make some hardware, but they make all their money from services. I mean, the list goes on. Sony and Intel, all of them are actually investing heavily into mobility as a service because it's what they know. It's where they make their money, and it's already their strongest suit, whereas the automotive industry was trying to learn something new and obviously didn't go as well as it expected. And this is what Sanjay makes clear with what kind of transformation the car industry is currently facing. On one side, the business model and the role different players play in the mobility ecosystem is rapidly changing. Right? Is it the OEM that is going to start providing these mobility services? Or is it some of the ride-sharing companies? Or is it the logistics companies? And everybody has a point of view. And the industry is frankly evolving right now. But there is, while there's all those changes, there is one thing that is certain, which is every one of them is going through a path of technology evolution. And the way we look at it is, it all starts with connectivity. If you don't have connectivity, none of these matter. You can't provide mobility services if your vehicles are not connected. So it starts there. It's almost table, table stakes today. And then we get into the second phase where while your vehicles are connected, you need to be able to configure those vehicles. Because when people buy a vehicle today, if it is a consumer, they want to have rich experiences two, three years after buying the vehicle. And today automakers can create these new experiences even after selling the vehicle through software-defined vehicle configuration capabilities. It is also applicable on the business side, B2B side. When you're driving these B2B uh, services, how do you continue to enrich the vehicle to provide these services in a more efficient way? So I would say the second phase of that transformation is software-defined. And the third phase is data-centric. We are getting into a place where vehicle is becoming part of a larger data ecosystem and companies really need to figure out how they can collaborate, share, and get value from the data. And when I look at that phase, we are very much in the early phases. In fact, we say that everybody is, to even today in wall gardens, there's a lot of data coming from all these different players. They all want to collaborate, but none of them want to share it. Today, right, there are very few folks who are starting to share, and then we slowly think we're going to move from this wall gardens to private parks, where one or two partners or a few partners have built the relationship, they have the confidence, they start sharing among themselves so they get more value from the data each other has. And then eventually the industry will go to public parks, where multiple players will share data and consume data. And that's when you'll start unlocking the real potential of what mobility presents for future of mobility. We are not there yet. The technology is there to support that industry. The technology is there to allow people to gain access, remove access, know how your data is being used. Um, but the confidence has to be built. So that's the way I look at it, is there is a very defined, I would say almost certain path of how all of them need to prepare. If they don't have any of these elements in place, a lot of the business model experimentation is gonna be a failure because they're not able to tackle and get value out of it. Here you can hear it. It's, it's, a, it's a super long transformation process which is going on. It, it began like at least 10 or 12 years ago and 
now we're seeing or now we're monitoring the next steps we can actually see live like how the how the industry is changing and it, it is really interesting because you can tangibly see that the car industry has already changed how they build cars production cycles are shorter and they've started to think differently about how they're approaching new lines of cars yeah especially if you look at software um software was always you know, kind of gimmick, a kind of add-on. You know, remember when the first displays appeared in cars and everybody was like, oh, it is a display now with some basic functions and the navigation came in and so on. But it was so bad that you actually had to buy uh, an extra device from one of those companies like TomTom or whoever and uh, like to have a, a really good navigation system. I think it ran on CDs for a while or something like that. And it was like really, really wild. So this has changed, of course. I know now that that, it's not a gimmick anymore. Uh, it's not to sh you have to show your capabilities on how you advanced you are also in terms of building building a car. You know, and what I find really interesting is that this transformation also includes the way that companies are selling cars. I think it was seven, maybe six years ago. I went to see um, Mercedes flagship, you know, most advanced, you know retail store or car dealership. And they had a presentation and said that our first touch point is going to be Instagram, right? That they believed that they were going to start to sell cars via Instagram, you know, like, and this is kind of the first step in how car companies are starting to think about how they're going to be selling cars differently. I mean, even some of the new players also have, you know, put on a VR headset so you can, you know, virtually look at the car. You can, Digitize, see a digitized car and choose all of the trims. I mean, things are becoming increasingly digital and less focused on walking into a showroom and looking at a physical device. Yeah, exactly. And it's um, it's it's interesting to see how the how it's changed and also how what kind of new uh, services they're going to use in 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 the future. So when we talk about metaverse, um, in automotive, there are very practical use cases that are in execution today. In fact, Fiat launched their E500 using our technologies with TouchCast as a partner to launch their metaverse showrooms. Now, the question is, what is this metaverse showroom? So you could create a complete immersive experience of you looking inside the car, configuring the car, changing the colors, um, and then, very importantly, interacting with the person. This is where what you rightly pointed out, the productivity suites start playing a role. So it's not just about the visual aspects of things and the immersive, it's also about the communication. So one of the use cases here is, today we can enable someone sitting on a couch, all they need is a browser, and using the browser, they can get a three-dimensional immersive experience of a vehicle. And they can click a button and there is someone live agent sitting from a showroom who can walk them through the features of the car. This is exactly how you should set up your uh, cruise control. Um, if you want to change configurations, what we can do, and this is a two-way interaction that is enabled through Teams interacting with the browser, with the high-fidelity three-dimensional three, uh, three immersive experience. And that's available today. And this is what 
Fiat E500 is using? Yeah, I mean, I like the B2B approach from Microsoft. I like the way they, they settled into a, uh, a business model that is, is highly valuable for OEMs and the tech companies at the same, at the same time, you know, providing uh, all the software and the service, et cetera, et cetera. And I think they made the right decision with that. Metaverse, <laughs> I'm a bit of a skeptic, I have to say. But I don't know. I mean, I still, I mean, we had it with Second World like in the early 2000s. Now we have the Metaverse. So I still don't see the thing taking off in maybe the next seven to 10 years. Uh, the graphics are just horrible uh, when you when you have a closer look at it. And the hardware you need to enter the, the metaverse, it's super expensive. I mean, you need a good VR headset, you need a good computer running it, et cetera, et cetera. So that makes it super inaccessible. As long as the thing doesn't run on a phone, I don't see this happening. So I think that most companies have realized that the concept of the metaverse isn't really working. But having said that, this was their first kick at the can. And I think that, you know, as we've seen crypto winter happen and a lot of the Web3 concepts sort of come and go already, right, as brand new ways of doing things and interacting with the internet, I think that in the next year or two, we're going to start to see something that won't be the metaverse, but it will be different than the internet that we have today, right? I'm not a huge advocate of Web3, but... I do see some applications that may work out in the next year or two. So will we still start to buy cars purely online? I think that we've already headed in that direction. Is it going to be on the metaverse? Yeah, maybe I agree with you that it won't be there, but it will be somewhere. You know, an interesting observation I made. I have a good friend. She's my speaking agent. So she is. Um, she bought last two cars. She didn't buy them. She got them online through one of the subscription services. She's not a car person. So the whole thing for her was just looking for the price and, and the right sized car. So the first one was a bit too small. And then she decided when she got the second one and go like go class higher and, and, and have a look there. So she started to just compare cars by price because she said, I use the car to go to my to my mother and to, to meet some friends uh, outside of Cologne and so on and so on. It's basically, I think, and this applies to a lot of people, they don't really care. They just want to have a car that drives from A to B and has, you know, some nice features and is big enough to put in some luggage and maybe do like a longer trip or so in it. And then they look at the price and say, oh, this is 20 euros cheaper per month. Uh, and I take this one. And I think this this where online car shopping actually happens today. But that doesn't take away what, what Microsoft is doing. Yeah, I mean, Don, you're really a car person. I'm a mobility person. <laughs> I'm not sure that I will ever go back to owning a car, right? But maybe I might lease one. So I do believe that the car has a place in the future. And it is going to be interesting the way that companies like Microsoft and the traditional OEMs figure out how to service the logistics need while, you know, catering to the car enthusiasts. So I think it is two different audiences that some people have to be like really aware of that they're catering to and that exist. Yeah, and that's and that's again the the interesting part for from from Microsoft. I mean, you have to have the backbone of of where all the thing is running. And it's nice to have, you know, nice software. I I, I can't, but I could theoretically write a piece of software that is super sophisticated and intelligent, 
but where does it run on and where can i you know provide information or get some information back from from customers and so and and microsoft is is doing that it's going to be super interesting for the next years to see where they're heading and where they're positioning themselves furthermore into into the tech and automotive world and so let us know what you think if we are very active on linkedin and don on mastodon myself a little bit on twitter and so please leave us a comment to let us know if you agree disagree or what your thoughts are on the future of mobility and microsoft's place in it yeah and be sure to follow us on changeofdirections.com where you can find more newsletters about hydrogen and tech and also a lot of podcasts and yeah leave us a like and of course a follow until then See you next time. Bye-bye.